It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, guys, I have a question for you. If you have been following social media at all this week, you know that there's been kind of a dead period. And when there is a dead period, you have players starting to talk a little bit of game. They're now all talking about why their state is the number one state for producing talent. Of course, we know that there aren't a lot of talent out in areas like Montana or Utah or Delaware for that matter, or even Rhode Island. But when you look at some of the major states, the Alabamas, the Louisianas, the Georgias, the Floridas, the Californias, and of course the Texas area, there is a ton of NFL talent that could make an impact for your team. So today, we're going to look at some of the names that were mentioned in a recent article and whether we do believe a former A&M player could have made the super team from Texas. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. That is my name. Don't wear it out. I am the host of the show. I always love hearing feedback for what you like, what you hate, what's been going on, what are some things you want me to change. I'm always open for interpretation. So give me a follow right there. And second, at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content. So give us a follow at Locked on Aggies to stay up to date with great insight from Texas A&M's campus right now. Before we begin the show, uh, we are going to try and have a guest on sooner this week uh, to give us a little more insight. But for anyone who has not been following the news recently, unfortunately, another spring football league has decided to close its doors, liquidate its assets, and try to survive by filing for bankruptcy. And that is the XFL. Now, while this is different than, I would say, the Alliance of American Football, for anyone who listens to the show, you know that I worked for for the AAF. We never had money. Uh, We were all lied to. We were all told we did have this money. uh, And eventually, we were caught holding the bill for a little while. We never really got our final paychecks. or It took us nearly a year to find out to get our W-2s. All those things put aside. So, the XFL was thriving. It was actually generating some nice buzz. Uh, They weren't probably going to make more than just even or maybe a little bit above during their first season, but Vince McMahon and the staff uh, under uh, Oliver Luck really did a fantastic job promoting, uh, getting great deals with major markets in Fox Sports, ESPN, ABC to kind of join in on the fun. They really went and swung for the fences, and it kind of worked in their favor. They didn't produce as much talent as I think a lot of other people wanted them to. And what I mean by that is, when the AAF folded, you had about 45 players get an opportunity to go to the NFL. Right now, I think you're at 10 XFL players getting their shot before the NFL draft. That number could still go up depending on what happens with these players and these several free agent signings after the NFL draft. But besides that, it was still very good football. In my personal opinion, the atmosphere of San Antonio, the team I worked for, was the best, and the rest was pretty much just below average football. We knew it. This was sub-average football with great insight from fans, great fan bases. They went to larger markets, and because of that, 
they now are trying to figure out what went wrong. And the basic problem with that is it was the coronavirus. COVID-19 forced an immediate shutdown of the XFL back in mid-March, about week six, I believe it was. During that time, it was right after the NFL Combine. Kind of every sport went into halt mode besides the NFL. They still said that they were going to go ahead and make some moves, but they weren't going to go crazy with it. Uh, but they were just planning on postponing the season. The entire thing was setting up for them to probably return in 2021. Well, multiple reports have already said that there are many players, many coaches, many personnels who are owed exquisite amount of money. You have Bob Stoops being owed over a million dollars. Mark Trestman of the Tampa Bay Vipers being owed over $655,000. Jonathan Hayes and Winston Moss being owed about $500,000. June Jones of the Houston Roughnecks, 5-0 perfect team. They were about owed five, uh, $500,000. There was a marketing uh, that was mainly used for the apparel design they were owed over $325,000. And then you have stadiums such as the Audi Field out for the DC Defenders or the University of Houston's TDECU Stadium. They're owed roughly about $300,000 for using the facilities because we are close to it. Uh, the XFL filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy earlier this week when the league folded, uh, but it still owes a good chunk of money to colleges where they played. According to the Houston Chronicle, the XFO owes about $294,000 in unsecured claims for venue costs and leasing out office spaces in TDECU Stadium for the Roughnecks home games. Uh, the Chronicle also reported that yeah, June Jones was owed $583,000. This is really sad because that they were probably going to be a better team. I really do think so. Um, this league really was successful, and you got to see some players really make a name for themselves to make that jump back to the NFL level. Uh, PJ Walker's going to be the big name for it, but there are former AM players who also were affected by this. You had both Keith Ford and Christian Michael. Two former AM running backs leading the St. Louis Battlehawks in rushing. They were the number two rushing team before the league folded. Uh, both scored at least one touchdown on the year. Then you had Trey Williams uh, for the Seattle Dragons. This was a guy who made a name for himself in the AAF. He was the first overall pick for Seattle with that uh, number seven selection, I believe it was. He wasn't the lead back, but he was a very big contributor both in the passing game and the running game. You also had Cam Clear play for Seattle. He unfortunately was cut right at the week four mark. So literally only one week before. But you also had Avery Genesee who played for AM as a tackle, then went to the NFL to move over to guard. He continued to play guard for the Houston Roughnecks and helped lead that offense to be the most productive offense in XFL history. So for a lot of these guys, the biggest problem is this is the end of their careers. It's going to be very hard with an upcoming NFL draft class with names being thrown around, trying to have conversations, people wanting to, you know, look at new is always better. These guys have had their opportunities to shine and they never were able to live up to the ploy that the NFL wanted. And without an alternative football league, unless they go to the CFL, a lot of their careers are going to be put on hold or completely shut down, which is a shame because of the XFL never, I think, really wanted to be 
the NFL. I think what they wanted to do was they wanted to be a cohort event that could be giving players opportunities, both undrafted rookies, younger players who were dismissed from their school and they didn't want to have to sit out a year for redshirting purposes, and also players who maybe just need to finish their careers off on a positive note for a marketing ploy. All those things could have been addressed, and instead they go down not because of they were out of money or because of they weren't able to keep the lights on, but because a pandemic happened, and a pandemic's not good for business, plain and simple. It's just not good for business, and I feel for every single employee of the XFL. We were going to report this earlier this week, but we had other things to address. You know, people always ask about what is the best state that produces talent at the collegiate and NFL level. Well, the NFL players are making their own stances of which state probably is the best, and we're going to tell you which Texas A&M players would make the Texas team in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure that you are following us this week for the Locked On NFL Draft Mock Show. We have already picks 1 through 6 and six through th- and 7 through 13 done. You can go ahead and listen on iTunes and Spotify to go see which team is going to select your favorite player from your favorite college. So go ahead and give them a listen at Locked On NFL. They do a great job, and it's a must-listen show. All right, we're moving back in, and we're going to talk about this big debacle of which state would win in a battle between the recruits and the NFL players. I am a native Texan. I was raised here. I wasn't born here, but I moved here when I was a year old, and I've been in Texas ever since outside of my years in college and when I lived on the road for about a year. Besides that, I have seen Texas talent. I have played against Texas talent. I was a two-year player on varsity for my football team. I got to see a lot of talented players go through. And one of the bigger names that we always saw was Trey Williams. We also saw a couple of other big-time receivers make their way through our division. We had a quarterback who ended up going D1. So again, Texas is known for their football. And you can ask anybody, maybe it's because of the extended drive of Friday Night Lights and the hype that surrounded the, the first off the movie and then the television show, people jump down our throats and say Texas is the biggest sport for football. But when you look at it, there are other teams out there and there are other states out there that definitely would make a running for it. Florida right now, according to Max Prep Sports, is the number one state for recruiting top talent. They had over 100 top recruits Uh, 72 top recruits in their top 100 last year. Texas comes in at number two uh, with guys like Demon Demos, who's going to Texas A&M. Zachary Evans, who was a Texas A&M product, but never signed eventually. And uh, Jace McClellan, who is going to head to Oklahoma. Then you have Georgia coming in at number three, California coming in at number four, Alabama coming in at number five, Louisiana coming in at number six, Tennessee really making a big jump uh, to number seven, and tied at number eight is Maryland and North Carolina, with New Jersey rounding out the top ten. So when you look at the Texas players that these NFL players are going about, by the way, let me explain. So there was a poll that went around talking about what was the greatest team by NFL players. And you started seeing names come up. Uh, I'll 
you had Devontae Adams comment on it, Darius Slay comment on it, uh, you had Earl Thomas make some comments, Marlon Humphrey make some comments, and eventually the checkdown was nice enough to start a, not a bracket per se, but they definitely started some conversations of which players are featured. So they gave us a top four. Uh, it was California, Georgia, Florida, and Texas. Coming in for California, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, Aaron Jones, Michael Thomas, Julian Edelman, Tom Brady, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers. That's a lot of Green Bay Packers for coming out of Arizona. Going into Florida, you have T.Y. Hilton, Frank Gore, Sammy Watkins, Dalvin Cook, Amari Cooper, Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson. Representing Georgia on this list is Tyreek Hill, Mikael Hardman, Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb, Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson, and Alvin Kamara. And representing Texas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Kyler Murray, uh, Adrian Peterson, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, and Mike Evans. So... We're going to look at this list, and we have our list of players from AM who are in the NFL, and who would make the starting roster for an all-Texas team. We can just start automatically with Mike Evans, because if he was listed in the checkdown promo, this would definitely be your starting flanker receiver, what he's able to do since the college days at AM. grew up in Galveston, went to Galveston Ball High School, Made a big-time name for himself in his final season at Texas A&M where he caught over uh, 89 passes for over 1,300 yards, I believe, and 12 touchdowns for his career. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons with the Aggies. He was selected number 7 overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he hasn't stopped since. Six 1,000-plus-yard seasons as a Buccaneer. He is one of two players to begin his career with six Total 1,000-yard seasons. The only other player to do that is Randy Moss. And if he does it again this year, he will actually be the only player in NFL history to have seven 1,000-yard receiving seasons entering their careers. This would easily be a guy who, whether you had Pat Mahomes or Drew Brees throwing him the ball, you would want as your top receiver or at least your big man. Evans is six foot five. He has very good speed. His route running is still pretty adequate. Definitely has the ability to make his mark coming up, coming from the outside, working across the middle. He's physical. He is a red zone target. He will get you into play. He may not be a top scorer because when you look at his numbers, he's only had one double digit touchdown season. But he is a three time. Uh, he's a three time Pro Bowler. He's an All Pro receiver. This is a guy who changes your offense and makes you better. And we're going to finally see if he can be one of those top five level receivers with Tom Brady now down in pewter. I look at this and I'm like, okay, Mike Evans for sure. He was already in our final four last week for our bracket. He would definitely be in our starting lineup. Now, who would else be in our starting lineup, at least offensively? A lot of people probably would go Christian Kirk out of Arizona Cardinals. Slight problem. He's not from Texas. He is from Arizona. He only played his college ball in College Station. So probably the next big name you would look at, I would probably say would be Jake Matthews. Now, while he is a left tackle for the Atlanta Falcons, more than likely Trent Williams from the Washington Redskins would be the left tackle on the All-Texas team. So if you just go based off of offensive linemen or offensive, you know, just someone who can kind of fill a role, 
Matthews probably would be in consideration for one of those selections. I'm not sure if he would win the job out, but he does have a very solid chance for what he's been able to do and being part of the Matthews family. You also got to remember, he does have experience playing right tackle. He only played tackle on the left side one year at College Station, and that was when Luke Jokel declared for the NFL draft. My, uh, Matthews went over to the blind side before that. He spent three years at right tackle. So this would be an easy transition for him to go back to the right side and be a run blocker. Now, he's had a pretty pretty decent career when you look at what he's done for Atlanta. He's been a pro bowler. He's a two, He was a two-time All-American in college. He did get a brand new deal uh, for five years worth $75 million in 2018. And in 95 chances to play, he's made 95 starts. So every game that he's been able to be healthy for, he has been the starter. That's consistency that you see that you really want for an offensive line. Now, do I think that he is the best at pass protecting? No, I do not. Do I think that he is a good run blocker? I think he's above average. I am one of the few people who goes, Jake Matthews is not a bad player, but is he worth that type of money? Maybe, maybe not, but you're always going to pay for a left tackle who knows your offense and is serviceable. Jake Matthews is serviceable. Now, Trent Williams would easily win this battle for the left tackle spot, but with three years of experience at the right tackle position, I do believe Matthews would be in consideration. So that would make two players on offense part of this All-Texas team. Other players, quarterback, I mean, you got to look at probably it would be Patrick Mahomes. I, I love Drew Brees, but I don't think that you really could get him. The wide receivers, I think, would round out with Emmanuel Sanders as your slot and Cortland Sutton as your other guy. Maybe you go with a speedier option in the middle and you have Sanders be your fourth receiver or you have Sutton be your fourth receiver. But I definitely think that Evans would get the starting nod overall. So... Uh, offensive line, again, Trent Williams would probably be the big name to watch for there. Running back, that's that's a tough one because of there's not a lot of great runners in the NFL from Texas. It's more so just AP, but I wouldn't go with him. So we'd have to do some research on that one. But we also have to talk about the defense. There are several AM players who made their mark in College Station as premier pass rushers, both heralding from the Lone Star State. Would they be starters on an All-Texas team? We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, once again, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And make sure you are downloading and listening to the NFL Locked on NFL Mock Draft Simulation Show we have shows every day this week, Monday through Friday, with all teams' needs being addressed. That includes those six teams that do not have a first-round pick in this year's draft. So go ahead and give it a listen at Locked on NFL, download on iTunes, or subscribe on Spotify. All right, so we're talking about the greatest team from Texas. Again, this was a poll that started yesterday between players about who they thought was the best team in football, who they thought was the top team by state and Texas was one of those cities I mean everyone looks at the state and it's known because of the blow up of the television show Friday Night Lights and the movie Friday Night Lights and all the TV shows and movies that take place in the Lone Star State covering football it has America's team the Dallas Cowboys although they're not America's team in my personal opinion but you look at the defensive side of the ball Texas is 
not as strong on that side as they would be on the offensive side. I mean, of course, you have some names. Jerry Hughes, Anderson Deho, uh, uh, a few more. Michael Brockers comes to mind. You also look at some of the offensive players. Andy Dalton went to TCU. Uh, Jason Peters is from Bowie County. You have Marshall Newhouse from Dallas. Cole Beasley's from uh, Houston, Texas. So there's names here and there that kind of go around. But defensively, I think it'd be very hard to argue both of the defensive ends in a 4-3 system or both the outside linebackers in a 3-4 system would come from AM, And that would be, of course, Von Miller and Miles Garrett. Now, both those players made it very far in our recent bracket, and there's a very good reason for it. One was the number one overall pick in 2017. The other was the number two pick in 2011. Both have already been named all pros. Both are Pro Bowl caliber players. Both have recorded double-digit sack seasons in at least two years. Miller has more of those stats. So let's just break that down real fast. Since entering the league, Miller's had two years where he hasn't finished with double-digit sacks. Uh, that came in his second season in 2013, third season in 2013, and last year where he missed a game and he only was two sacks away. So I look at that and I'm like, if you're missing games and both years he missed time. Uh, one game last year, 2013, I think he missed five games and he still had 7.5 sacks. If you look at the rate he was on and it was about one sack per game, he would have been in about that 12 range. So he could be Mr. Consistency when it comes to pass rush. He's a Super Bowl MVP. If you go back and you watch Super Bowl 50, it is all because of that defense that they were able to stop Cam Newton. The former number one pick versus the former number two pick. The number two pick beat down number one to become the number one team in the nation that year. He was the Super Bowl MVP. And everything he's kind of done since to represent AM is just a high culture. But he's also in the triple digit sack marker. There's not many players in the NFL right now who are past 100 career sacks. In fact, there's only two. And it is Von Miller who comes in with 106. And it is Cameron Wake who comes in with 100.5. The next name on the list is Chandler Jones with 96. J.J. Watt with 96. Clay Matthews has 91.5. Ryan Kerrigan has 90. Justin Houston has 89.5. Calais Campbell, 88. Cameron Jordan, 87. So, again, when you have a guy who's been doing it consistently for nine straight years, and he's just outside the top 20, he ranks at number 25 in a tie with Trace Armstrong, so one more puts him over into the straight number 25. If he can get up to uh, about eight sacks this year, he'll finish in the top 21. Uh, He'll be number 22, actually, beating Sean Jones. After that, it's just going to be starting to see a climb. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to beat Bruce Smith's 200 career sack record, but he definitely has the ability, I think, to add more to his numbers before it's too late. On the flip side, Miles Garrett. This is a guy who, since entering the NFL, has been Mr. Consistent when it comes to playing the last two years. And again, we don't know how good his numbers would have been this year. He might have been defensive MVP and the sack leader. He really could have. I mean, when you break it down, he missed the last seven games of the season. He had 10 sacks. He was tied at the time with Shaquille Barrett for sack leader. Now, I can't go... Now, you can go through and you can look at the numbers and you can try and see who they were. They played Pittsburgh again. He would have at least gotten, I think, two or three sacks in that game. Uh, They played Cincinnati. 
They definitely would have at least gotten, I think, two sacks in that game. So there you go. I mean, that's 15. He could have been better. So the last two years, he's put up double-digit sacks, and he was a pro bowler in 2018. I think that when you look at some of the names for defensive end on this list who come from the state of Texas, there's not really a name out there that stands out as, oh yeah, over Miles Garrett. Demontre Moore, I would have not play him over Miles Garrett. Alex Okafor, definitely not playing him over Miles Garrett. Um, Malcolm Brown in a 3-4, he'd play defensive end, not putting him over Miles Garrett. Uh, you look at some other names, Chris Jones. Now, while I do love Chris Jones and he has played in a 3-4 scheme, you could move him inside to play defensive tackle. So you wouldn't have to worry about him playing defensive end in that system. Chris Odom, definitely not. Again, Zach Wood, none of these names matter. It's Miles Garrett. So Miles Garrett and Von Miller, I think, would both be in a 4-3 system, your two defensive ends. Uh, in a 3-4 system, they both would be blitzing outside linebackers. Again, other names that you could see on this list, Chris Jones, he's turned into one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. He was franchise tagged by the Kansas City Chiefs. He'd more than likely get the call to be part of that 3-4-4-3 defense, find a hole for himself there. Michael Brockers maybe would be another selection you could put in. Uh, also, you have Earl Thomas, probably one of the best safeties in the last, I would say, decade, make the team. He would be your starting safety. It comes from, of course, the burnt orange of UT, but I do think that everything he's done has been nothing short of incredible. Uh, and, of course, uh, Bradley Roby, Houston native, played at Ohio State, now is playing with the Houston Texans, probably gets a call at cornerback. The offense would definitely be stronger than the defense, but there are players on this defense that would become a scary threat, and it starts with the two pass rushers up the middle. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we will be back with Ask an Aggie Friday. And we're going to take one last look at the draft selections of Justin Matabike, Courtney Davis, where they really fall. We're going to go through a consensus of mock drafts and we're going to look up some stats of where they possibly could land and what could be their ultimate home. So we'll see you tomorrow. And remember, take me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.